The following is a presentation of Team Bonding, providing more than 100 live, virtual, or hybrid corporate team-building activities for companies around the world. Visit teambonding.com to schedule your event now. Hello once again, my team. It's me, Rich Riddensland, the host of Team Building Around the World, the podcast where I speak to people from team bonding, team building industry from all over the globe. I actually have as my guest today someone I've, I've done a little studying on, and he is a fascinating individual that I just can't wait to talk to. Mr. Rupert Picardo, the director of uh, Difference all the way over in India, ladies and gentlemen. So we're we're really reaching across the globe today. In point of fact, it is actually a little after 8 p.m. on the East Coast where I'm recording from, but it's about 5.35 in the morning for Rupert. So we're going to try to be a little kind to him while we go ahead and take care of some things. Uh, first off, I do want to talk about some of our supporters we have for this show. Of course, the Catalyst Team Building Network first. Finding out more about the world's largest network of team building providers at CatalystGlobal.com. And we also want to thank our friends at B1G1, which can make your business a real force for good. Visit B1G1.com to get started. So as I was saying, I did a little background check uh, before starting tonight's show on my friend, Mr. Picardo, and uh, I found some amazing things. Now, Rupert, correct me if I'm wrong. First off, everybody say hello to Rupert. That is a small cluster of my team that I have hidden under my desk, Rupert, just so you're aware. <laughs> and say hello. It's great to hear that this early. <laughs> Apologies. Go ahead. <laughs> that, not a problem. There, see, even though it's you know bright and early in the morning for you, they're just so excited to see you. But um, am I correct? And when I read that on in June 2018, you broke a Guinness record? Uh, I would say that I was a part of an attempt and actually a successful attempt to break a Guinness record. Yes. Okay. And what was that for? Um, we had 18,000 people from an organization um, here uh, gathered together at a large conference and they want to do something together that could possibly break a record, but also engage and motivate everyone. Mm. So we got them to do something like a Hakka chant, a, a body rhythm, so to speak. And, we had an adjudicator from uh, Guinness, and mm -hmm. yeah, it was a lot of fun. I'm, I'm hoping that the crowd enjoyed themselves too. So the the award is actually for eighteen thousand haka chanters, or is it something else? Uh, well, we we called it uh, body percussion. So it ah. was you, you're creating percussion without using uh, any instrument. So it was about stomps and claps and. <laughs> uh, Anything as long as it's not vocalized or using an instrument. So, yeah, 18,000 Hakka chanters is possibly something that the uh, <laughs> listeners are likely to relate to. <laughs> exactly. Now, how long did you run that for? How long were, how long were those people actually all making noise? About uh, seven and a half continuous minutes. Wow. But it was, uh, I, I'd like to think of it more than noise. Uh, I don't think we'd have got a record for that. I think it was a little better than that. Well, my apologies. I certainly didn't mean to offend. But yeah, that is, <laughs> that is highly impressive, Rupert. Thank you so much for sharing that with us. But now tell us uh, a little bit more about yourself. Like how long have you been involved in the team bonding industry? Uh. 16 years almost, I would say. Actually, it's going to be uh, 15 years in the 
company since I founded it uh, 2005, but uh, I'd say there was at least a year of that entire thought process as well as what I was doing with the other organization. Mm. Uh, that That's how long it's been uh, in the industry, I'd say. And uh, what did you, did you do something? What were you doing before that? What actually brought you right into this industry? Okay, that that's, uh, I'd say, a, a very different uh, kind of a story. So uh, I was... In a, uh, I was an account manager in an IT firm. And since I'm from Bangalore, and for those of you who know what Bangalore is, it's where we have a lot of these IT firms, large organizations, and a lot of the outsourcing and things like that. Software okay. development has been big. And uh, the uh, being an account manager, I was kind of like part sales as well as responsible for this team. And attrition was possibly one of the biggest problems that we had. I think it's still... Uh, exists in the same way that it did back then. Mm. But uh, it was huge for us because, uh, at least for me personally, it, it felt like as though the attrition was uh, going to be the reason why I would lose the account. So <laughs> I had no choice. I was not getting the support I wanted. So I started conducting team building activities for the group. And we had a fabulous turnaround. By the time we were 350 people in a space of about eight months, uh, we literally had a non-existent attrition rate. So it kind of spurred me to move from international sales in an IT company, which is uh, in India at that time, the prestigious place to be to, you know, start uh, a team building company with uh, the best friends that I've ever had in my life. So that's, that's really the journey of how it started. That's fantastic. I, I mean, just so I can clarify for anybody who, who might've been confused about anything you just said, you actually started with your own personal team, the people working around you in your industry and getting them involved in team building activities? Yeah, that's right. So uh, the at the company that I've worked with, uh, one of the accounts that we had uh, for a US-based client, uh, actually, uh, we had, you know, crazy attrition. There were people joining and leaving, joining and leaving. And it was a volatile industry and there were a lot of new companies coming up. And of course, you can't really get around to doing any kind of development if you're going to have a churn in a team, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so... Uh, I, I was looking for options. How do we keep this team together? Because we knew that we we're going to do well and just trying to keep them together. I started looking at uh, various different team building activities and started with small fun stuff and it just kept growing. And I was doing this on my own dime and my own time. And hmm. uh, it, it was a lot of fun, uh, you know, and I enjoyed myself. So having witnessed the power of that, I thought, you know, this is something that we can definitely get into. So I started calling my friends and, uh, talking about this and saying, you know what, I think we just found something that could well be our calling. So why don't we try doing something like this? Huh? It's no. a long time ago now. <laughs> but I think we went through a full year of debate and discussion. And that's what <laughs> possibly got us started. The, the fact that we'd actually, exp- or at least I had experienced this. <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. But let me let me ask you, Rupert, um, what exactly was that, those first steps for you? I mean, you, you managed to get some support underneath of you, but what was the team building industry like in your neck of the woods? So uh, about 15, 16 years ago uh, in India, team building was a fixed location, usually on the outskirts of the city. And it uh, meant that you would take your team to that location, mm. uh, a half day or a full day intervention as it was called, but you'd, you'd have kind of like a little bit of outdoor, uh, you know, uh, just large area. There'd be a few tents out there. So putting up a tent, blindfolded, you'd have these A-frames. Usually these facilities were operated by, you know, uh, people who were 
ex-armed forces served. That's mm. that. It was kind of like uh, stereotyped to that level. Literally every place on the outskirts of the cities, and not just Bangalore, but most of the cities in India. Uh, that's the kind of team building that we had. So uh, I'd say, you know, in a way, I'd, I'd feel that we we can take some credit for the fact that we started turning things around and saying, okay, you know what, we can't compete with this. We don't have that kind of area. And we, we are unable to market ourselves to every organization and say, come to where we are. So we start changing that round and saying, we'll come to where you go. So you tell us where your team is and uh, tell us what your requirement is and let's let's come there and do the uh, team bonding or the team building for you. So we, we took team bonding and team building to where the team was. And uh, I think it took a few years to make that change. Right. But this is how it used to be. It was a stereotype set of activities, a stereotype location and mm. everyone with a, a very similar look and feel, I would say. So uh, we were not exposed to too much by way of team bonding exercises or team building exercises and activities. So before you came onto the marketplace, there was pretty much everything was just like outward bound. Is that what I'm getting? Pretty much. Okay. I, uh, I hadn't heard of anything other than that. Yes, they were, uh, you know, I mean, you've, you've seen this, Rich. The, the team building and team bonding are terms that have been used and abused by literally everybody. And sure. You can't blame them because anything that can get a, put a team together and make them function better possibly deserves to be called team bonding or team building. Right. But uh, back in the day, 15 years, 16 years ago, we'd have... Uh, MCs of events and, uh, you know, hosts who would conduct uh, icebreakers under the guise of team building. It wasn't outcome-based, that's what I mean. So, yeah. yes, there were uh, there would be people conducting these exercises where the team was, but not at the kind of scale that, uh, you know, you and I are possibly used to now. Mm. Well, like what? What, for example? pass a hoop through people who, uh, you know, a human chain and you try and get a hoop through them or the sure. uh, helium uh, stick and things like that. And uh, it, it would be a set of icebreakers, a series of, I don't know, maybe about five or 10 icebreakers and energizers. And that that's what right. team building was about. So, uh, so fairly, fairly short the MCs conducting activities. Yeah. So fairly short and simple. They would just have a, a routine of activities that they would do. Now, what kind of things? Much, yeah. What kind of things did you add to change all of that up? Well, I'd say that uh, the percussion, the drum circle, the facilitated drum circle, is one of the things that we got into fairly early because uh, our exposure was to groups rather than only uh, you know teams, smaller teams. So uh, you might have heard that we have quite a lot of uh, people, or quite a few people in India, I would say. So our teams are larger. So more often than not, it's group team building it's not a team of 12 people and direct reportees but we'd have uh, not near the 18000 that we spoke about earlier but right. yeah uh, anything from 200 300 500 people so group activities were big and uh, when we started the drum circle in india the facilitated drum circle it's something that really picked up but apart from that we we started creating activities i think that's where our strength was and mm. still is uh, so we take a brief from a customer and tell them that, okay, how about something like this? And we built F1 cars, you know, kind of like little go-karts, yeah. but the different versions we've been through. So these are the kind of activities and that that's really picked up. So 
these were the earliest two activities that we had created, but whether for conflict resolution, we started talking about takeaways rather than just the fun element of a team building activity. Right, right, right. Actually helping people to realize that what they've just done while fun actually had a purpose and we'll actually teach them something about how well they work together. Fantastic. Now, what what kind of what are the average sizes of the groups you generally tend to work with? Uh, over the years, it's changed, I would say. But uh, when we started, it would be uh, initially, I would say, possibly we were around the hundred people per event kind of a mark. Mm-hmm. We started going up to, I'd say, by about 2010, 2011, we were doing more events for groups of about 300, 400 people than the smaller groups. But as organizations started recognizing us for, uh, you know, being able to provide uh, team bonding and team building or learning at the leadership level, we started uh, getting down to the smaller groups. And, uh, you know, anyone in the industry possibly recognizes that each one of these have their own different dynamics and different facilitators have different favorites in terms of the kind of group size as well as the activities. (laughs) So it's, the averages have definitely, uh, you know, varied across, I'd say. Now, um, but the, all of those things, as you said, they, they come with different dynamics, different challenges. What kind of challenges do you face uh, over there in India that, like, we might not face here? Uh, the, the first part, of course, is because of the size of the uh, audience. The second is uh, the venues. It took us quite some time to just try and understand. Uh, just waiting for the vehicle noises outside here. <laughs> Sorry about that. That's quite all right. Uh, usually we get only birds at this time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So the the dynamics for us, uh, the first is in terms of the, uh, uh, you know, in the size of the teams. So the large teams, uh, different size teams, also different industries, the education level, people, uh, their understanding and their expectations. I think that's common across the world mm-hmm. uh, in terms of the expectations. But then afterwards, we have, uh, you know, the just understanding and recognizing what a venue provides and what we had to be able to, you know, make this a success. A company would ask us for, let's say, a treasure hunt. I think it's, that's one of the popular type of activities. And right. uh, they'd say that we are at this resort, which is huge and humongous and massive, and we can do all of this out there. And uh, they'd, they'd give us a day's recce to be there and do this. And we get there, and it's possibly a five-acre property. And we're like, what are we going to do out here? I mean, how do we engage 100 people over five acres? It's, it's just not going to be enough unless we get them to plow the fields, I would say. So, sure. Uh, these were the initial challenges. As we started getting better at what we did, as well as trying to understand what the uh, venues offered, I mm-hmm. think we were able to put down a few more rules and a few more, uh, you know, uh, try to mitigate these uh, risks that we were facing when we get there. But specifically in terms of as a culture and a country, I would say that there are really two things that uh, I see as changes. One is, of course, in the, uh, uh, you know, the overall venue and the uh, medium of uh, team building, I would say. So uh, we, uh, when you consider the fact that uh, we are a very large country, we are very diverse, it's across the entire, uh, you know, it's, it's a large country as right. well. Not nowhere close what you guys are, but it's large enough. <laughs> and uh, each place that we go to, I think presents its own challenge. So that's that's the first part. The second is in terms of the medium, the instruction. The, we have so many languages in India. Mm-hmm. So a different industry, unless you can have someone who can speak a little of the vernacular, it, it was a challenge initially, not 
I mean, while everyone more or less in the uh, uh, you know in the corporate sector speaks and understands English very well, if you really want to connect with the audience, you you've got to bring in a little bit of the local, right. and that would be a challenge because how do you get uh, people who can speak eighteen languages in the country? I don't think uh, there are facilitators who can do that. And then the medium also changed. So it, it it was a lot from the outdoors. It became indoor. It became simulations. And uh, over the last three years, it's become digital. In the last sixty days, it's only digital. So yeah, that's that's one of the uh, entire. I'd say I've I've covered the majority of the challenges that we've been facing <laughs> out here. Fantastic, Rupert. Um, I I want to get back to this uh, in just a second. If you don't mind, though, I do need to take a quick break and talk to my team out here to do a little. We got to pay a few bills, so give me just a quick second. Sure. Team, let me take a break for a moment to tell you about the Catalyst Team Building Network, an association of team building providers. With representatives in over 90 countries speaking more than 20 languages, the Catalyst Network is widely regarded as the voice of the team building industry. Network members share resources, best practices, and business opportunities. Catalyst partners are learning from each other and pushing the boundaries of what is possible in team building. Catalyst network members share a common goal of creating highly relevant, socially responsible, good-valued experiences for their clients. For more information, please visit CatalystGlobal.com. All right, my friend, it's now we're back. Um, I, I do want to actually say, like I said, I did some research about you. So if I can shift gears for a bit and talk a little more personally to you, um, you're a writer. Am, am I correct in that? Uh, more from a passion. I, other than that, I've not really written uh, anything else. Uh, I love writing articles. I'm, I'm in the, uh, I'd say, I, I've, I've had this dream of wanting to, uh, publish that mm. uh, the books that I start never seem to end. So from that <laughs> perspective, yeah, I, would say. I, I have the exact same problem. I know how to start them and I know what should happen in the middle, but the ending always seems to elude me. I quite agree. Yeah. But you have done something that I've never even dreamed of. You've actually been on a TED Talk. Yes, and uh, great experience, fantastic. It, one more. I, I didn't know that I should be making bucket lists this early, but if I had to, <laughs> then it's already been ticked off. So that's good. Fantastic. Uh, I, in fact, I had the study. Yeah, uh, I, I had the opportunity uh, just uh, a few weeks earlier with this entire lockdown that started in the country and possibly across the world that. Uh, the uh, TED chapter in Bangalore reached out and said, we're, we're planning to start something virtual and we'd like you to be the, uh, you know, the first one on this virtual show. So would you be interested? And that was an entirely different experience. So uh, I love it. It's it's something that I would say it's, it's a great opportunity for anyone who gets, I mean, for anyone who gets that opportunity, it's a great learning. Yeah, I was actually very lucky enough to actually to find your TED Talk on innovation. And I, I got to say, there was something that you mentioned specifically that really it spoke to me um, for the last 20, 20, going on 26 now, years now. I've been a professional actor as well as doing all of the team building things that I do. Um, and I remember there's something you said about one thing that everybody worries about is, will I look stupid? And I have had so many yeah. actors. I've had so many actors who have taken the opportunities of the roles that they've been given and squandered them simply because they didn't want to look stupid. Now, how do you get someone over that hump? How do you actually go ahead and, and prove to somebody that you can go further by getting rid of all of that, that noise in their brain? 
that's possibly the biggest challenge uh, that all of us face. I mean, we've all seen those statistics about public speaking being a bigger fear than literally everything else in the world uh, beyond death as well and things like that. And the only reason any of these uh, fears is because we are always judging ourselves or we're thinking that, you know, how are others going to judge me? I'd say, you know, that that's something that comes to the fore of every thought that you're going to have. So more often than not, when, when you have the ability to try and see what you sound and look like, whether it's a recording or uh, feedback from friends, any of these, when, when you're able to judge yourself and you, you've got to set low enough standards that you're not comparing yourselves <laughs> with the greatest actors or the speakers of the world and you say, you know what, that's, that's not too bad. I think that's a great step. Every time you do something like that and you set your milestones a little closer than where you're currently setting them, you're going to measure success in a very different way. And, you know, that's something that we've been doing all along as well. You, you set your sights high, no doubt. That's, it's called ambition. It's called this is what you're aiming for. Reach for the moon, the stars and things mm-hmm. like that. But whether it's your daily challenge, monthly or, uh, you know, at any point of time, whatever time you're using, using to measure these success parameters, bring those in a little closer, get them closer to you that you can achieve and it makes you feel good about yourself. When you start feeling a little better about yourself, I think there's rarely an occasion for you to worry about how others judge you. Uh, Of course, you're you're going to wear your badges, you're going to wear your conscience and ethics and all of those kind of things. So within those parameters, whatever you do and you start feeling good about yourself, I think it it, it helps you to overcome this entire thought of, do I look silly? Mm. Am Am I doing something that others are going to say that how could he do something or she do something like this? I think it helps you to get past that. Nice. Very, very nice. So let me ask you, um, of the events that you've done, which I'm, I'm not necessarily you yourself, but that you've heard of in your company or or, or personally taken part of, what, what's your favorite memory from any event? <laughs> well, uh, unfortunately, the strongest memories are of near disaster or your own embarrassment, <laughs> which you just spoke about. But uh, I do have this one memory from pretty early on and, uh, you know, to be very honest, which I think we've retold this story so many times that I, I begin to wonder how much of it is really a myth now. But, uh, <laughs> you, know, we, we, <laughs> you know how it is with storytelling, yep. that's what typically yep. happens. But from what I remember, we'd, we'd been trying to win this customer over very large uh, organization and we were speaking to this lady uh, in HR and uh, we'd been trying to win them over and we, we really hadn't uh, made much headway out there. Uh, we were fledgling operators at that point of time. Mm-hmm. But uh, it so happened that we were at this venue for another event and uh, we, uh, you know, I bump into this lady and uh, she's all panicked and we noticed that, just walk up to her and ask her what's happening and uh, her facilitator had apparently called in to say that uh, she couldn't conduct the program personal reasons and exigency. So we said, yeah, we'd, we'd, we'd love to help. Is there something that we can do? So then and there, we took the brief, assessed the situation, and thankfully for us, it was at our home base. So we were able to call in all the troops, pull out all the stops, and we said, you know, we're, we're throwing in our best activity. Uh, made it fit rather than actually, you know, for an activity that fit the brief. It was possibly the other way around. But uh, we did everything gratis at no charge and, uh, you know, we, we we enjoyed ourselves. I'll be honest out here, I think our level of excitement was higher than the level of delivery that we did that day. <laughs> but uh, it, it was great. The customer was extremely happy that uh, we were able to bail her out. It was 
an international delegation as well. Right. And to this day, we've not only retained that company as an account, but uh, you know the the uh, the lady who's brought us, uh, you know, I mean, who we interacted with and worked with on that day, uh, she has moved into I'd say at least five different organizations, and she's brought on as brought us in as team building partners at mm. every company she's moved into. So it's more than a memory. It's been a great lesson for us. You know, it's about the persistence, the opportunity, our adaptability, flexibility, customer right. focus, all of these. It's it's I think what has helped us to you know stay humble and hungry. Because you never know where uh, you, you get these opportunities or what you can do to help someone out and how it might turn out a few years later. So it's 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 possibly one of the things that always pops to mind every time we're thinking about, you know, what do we remember from the early days, so to mm-hmm. speak. Hmm. That's fantastic. I, I have often said, um, especially my work with team bonding, we should always have the, the, the sub caption under our name. Yeah, we can handle that. Because you've got to be flexible. You've got to be the person who can actually um, look at a problem, that a potential problem that hasn't even occurred yet, and be able to work with it and around it. That's a very exciting moment in any show that you do. I agree. So let's let's ask, um, do you have any silly moments that you like to share? Anything like that that you want to remember? Um, yeah, I'm... I'm pretty certain this my this has happened to a lot of uh, team bonding facilitators around the world. Uh, at least I'm hoping now. <laughs> now that I'm sharing the story, but uh, <laughs> yeah. So the typical Indian crowd. We had a very raucous crowd. I think we were possibly about 400 people. Uh, it was not a very large auditorium in perspective of the height. So I had these spotlights, you know, right on me. The follow me spotlight. Uh-huh. And, uh, on stage, we'd already conducted the icebreaker keynote speaker coming in to you know uh, address the audience a little bit and then hand over to me. And uh, the because the crowd was just literally uncontrollable, the keynote speaker informs them that they need to listen in, pay attention, make notes because this next part is all about keen observation skills. Okay. And uh, I thank him and start talking and I possibly went through at least three minutes until a stage, uh, I mean, a sound engineer runs up on stage and you know hands me a hand mic and says that the headset that I was using has only been <laughs> playing on the monitor and nowhere else. So uh, they'd been trying to rectify the audio waving at me, but because of the light of, you know, <laughs> Possibly my own indifference. Yep. I didn't even know it. The crazy part was the audience wasn't buying it, thanks to what the keynote speaker had said about keen observation and things like that. They thought it was an elaborate buildup of something yet to come. So no matter what I did that day, I don't think I lived up to the mystery that was created. <laughs> you should have told the sound guy, just go with it, just go with it. <laughs> yeah. That's a, that is a great story. I love that. And you are absolutely correct. I I. I can count on both my hands the amount of times that that's happened to me or a facilitator I've been working with since I've been doing this since 2009. And and you always, right. always <laughs> check your sound beforehand, especially in a large group. Yeah, I, I now uh, take one step further and I'm I'm not doing, I mean, I don't want the spotlight or the follow me on, uh, you know, on me unless it is at least 30 degrees above my <laughs> eye line. I don't want it, uh, you know, like forcing me to frown back at the audience. <laughs> so it's a learning. I think every everything that we do, as silly as it may originally sound or at least yep. usually in retrospect, I mean, when you're on stage and this happens to you, you can't help but feel embarrassed or 
upset that something like this happened to you. It's only later that you can turn back and, you know, laugh at it and say, okay, that, you know, that was really crazy. Yeah, but back, yeah. At that moment, I think it just incenses you out there. I, I will say, I will agree with you because um, I, one of the base, best things about uh, my career that's helped me is being an actor for so long before I joined in with team bonding and started making facilitating a career choice for myself was the fact that everyone had always asked me if I get nervous on a stage and I'm like, no, the spotlights and the lights on the stage, I can't see the audience. So even though they might be five feet away from me, I don't know if it's there. Um, and it's it's turned out to be the exact same way with facilitating. I'll be on a stage and someone will come up to me later and be like, did you see that when this happened? I'm like, yeah, I can't see a thing on that stage. But That's so true. <laughs> yep. Now, if you don't mind, um, I want to switch some gears here too. And uh, once again, and ask, um, do you have any favorite charities do you work with out there in India? Well, uh, you you mentioned B one G one. We mm-hmm. work with them. Uh, we we kind of like signed up with them as early as we could, uh, as soon as we'd uh, possibly just interacted with them for the first time, and that's that's one of the charities. Uh, I, I, it's not just Indian, I'd say, but uh, right. I really like what B one G one does. But yes, uh, you know, I think uh, uh, working with charity is something that, that drives one of the basis of any of these, uh, you know, I'd say team building events because that it, it kind of like defines the purpose. So if whatever you're doing in the team building space, when, when you're able to define the purpose, I think it just drives everyone better. And there's nothing really better than working with charities, both for ourselves as well as our customers. Mm. I think it helps to drive that purpose strongly. And uh, I think our, our own experience, uh, you know, as well as our work with charities has been extremely enriching. So uh, that's that's something that uh, I'd say, you know, give yourself uh, as much as an opportunity to do this, whether it's volunteer uh, work or uh, to yep. work with charities, I think. It's fantastic. I very much agree. And actually, with that in mind, if you don't mind, we're going to take one more jump. And let me, take, let me take a minute to tell my team all about B1G1, which can make your business a real force for good. When you're part of B1G1, you bring new purpose, meaning, and relevance to your business by giving, making giving a core of what you do. Unlike conventional giving models, B1G1 helps small and medium-sized businesses achieve more social impact by embedding giving activities in their everyday business operations to create unique giving stories. Every business transaction can impact lives from just as little as one cent. So please visit B1G1.com to get yourself started. B1G1, business for good. I can hear those birds out there now. They're very lively. Oh yeah. <laughs> so That's, has, has the sun I come up I for them? I don't them as much with the headphones. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, it sounds glorious out there. Um, yeah, the, the morning's beautiful that way. <laughs> <laughs> now, let me ask you: Have you um, you you say that when you got started in this, m- most of the companies, uh, besides taking people to the outskirts of the cities and and doing um, some outdoors events with them, they mostly just did. Uh, icebreakers or energizers. Now, do you do any of those in your uh, your performances in your uh, your your facilitations? Yeah, um, I think we use icebreakers and energizers as a way to kind of like set the tone. Mm. Uh, the you have any favorites? Yeah, uh, the the majority of time, any of the icebreakers, uh, we're we're kind of like I mean, most of the 
organizations we work with, we are there as part of uh, another event. So it could be a convention, it could be uh, you know some internal communication that's going on, a town hall, and things of like that. And we're there to kind of like bring in a team building or a team bonding experience. Mm. So we use the icebreaker, you know, to try and set that tone for uh, the organization. I mean, for the team. Mm-hmm. And my favorite is uh, the rainfall. So I saw it on our Toto video for their song Africa. And we modified it to conduct it for groups. And what I love best is the look of disbelief, uh, you know, when once you've got them to create that rainfall and the thunder and so on. Because I think when, when you have a team believing in themselves or believing in itself, uh, almost everything else you do from there is a definite cakewalk. So that's that's been my all-time <laughs> favorite. I love it. Now you you got to take a minute here to explain this to me because you've mentioned one of my favorite songs of all time but it's been many years since I've seen the video. How do you, as an energizer, make people make rainfall? So uh, you, you, you just inform the group that uh, they're going to do something sequentially and it's going to be at your uh, pace. So as a facilitator, you possibly call out the person that you see on the extreme right, ask for their name, again, the person on the extreme left, and uh, let's say the first person is um, Rich and the last person is Rupert. And you can say, Rich, I'm starting with you. And uh, you just follow what I'm doing. And the rest of you, when my hand waves over you, you join in. Once you start, you don't stop. So I demonstrate to Rich how to rub their hands together. So you just start rubbing your palms and you do it as vigorously as you can. Start slow, increase the pace. And once Rich starts, you start waving your hand across the audience from your right all the way to your left. Mm. And as you do that, you're going to hear this little sound. It sounds like wind. It sounds like breeze that's just picking up. And you get them to move a little faster. And then you turn towards Rich and just start miming the action of snapping your fingers. Not everyone can snap both hands, but you know everyone's going to try. And you're still going to get that little pitter-patter at a very random kind of like uh, this. And it sounds like as though rainfall that's just started. I turn back to Rich and uh, while this is going on, it's picking up an intensity in the audience. You turn back to Rich and say, all right, Rich, here's, I mean, you don't even say anything. You just right. start uh, miming that you're going to start tapping your thighs and get them to, uh, you know, uh, switch over from snapping their fingers to mm-hmm. slapping their thighs. And again, move your hand all across to the other side and you're going to hear this intensity of rainfall increase. I like to tell people that where we come from, it's a lot more heavier than what you guys are doing. So go ahead and abuse yourself. So <laughs> before you know it, they're slapping themselves silly. And, you know, then we wait for that to build up and then go in reverse order. So this time I start with the person on my extreme left and mm. work backwards to stop the rainfall. So to go all the way back to rubbing the palms and mm. uh, you're going to have a lot of people going ooh and ah in between itself. I mean, during this exercise and, it's just a couple of minutes, but it's literally magical. That's fantastic. I'm stealing that one, by the way. I'm going to start doing oh, that yeah, one from now on. Uh, spread it around and just say you got it from me. <laughs> <laughs> I will definitely do that. Uh, speaking of which, um, I, I have to say, the reason that I, I asked early on uh, if you were an actual like published writer, um, I was looking at your website, and I am amazed by the amount of articles that you actually have up. I had a chance to glance through a few of them, and your writing is fantastic. I want to give you a chance here to self-promote. Can you tell everybody what that website is so they can come find you? So it's difference.com. It's uh, D-F-R-E-N-S, but pronounced as difference, as in making a difference. Mm. So that's, that's our website. That's our parent company. 
And Rupert's writing is all over this website. I mean, you could really fall down a rabbit hole just reading everything that this man has written and posted on that site. And all of it, they're golden gems. There's just so much good stuff in there, not only for team building, but just to read, for, for just for yourself. Now, um, with that in mind, Rupert, uh, I want to, if we can get a little more personal with you here, if we can't, that's fine. You can feel free to let me know. We can always shift away. But um, what's your what's your personal family life like? Uh, just the two of us, my wife and I, we don't have kids, but uh, okay. she claims that it's literally a full-time job just uh, you know, <laughs> picking up after me or taking care of me or just putting up with me. So it's the two <laughs> of us and uh, that's that's what family life is like. Uh, she works uh, full-time as well and uh, I, she, she doesn't consider what I do as work in the classic sense and so that debate uh, rages on I don't think there's an end to it mm. because I'm I'm one of those guys who uh, you know I, I just don't relate to the statement uh, if it ain't broke don't fix it right. it's the opposite for me so I love tinkering finding ways to make things better or just different I say so uh, I, I, I love learning something new so mm. I guess in a way the uh, it, possibly a way to get back at the neighbors so I've tried to learn nine <laughs> musical instruments so far uh, I'm stuck on the saxophone and it's only because of, I think, this lockdown and this entire, yes. uh, you know, where everyone just seems to be cloistered at home that I'm feeling sorry for my neighbors and <laughs> I've not been getting that out and trying to play that. But yeah, I just I just like learning something uh, new. I love painting, sketching, uh, trying my hand at new technologies, building websites, animation. <laughs> I love what you guys have on your website. I mean, I've been inspired with that uh, from uh, for years now, for the first time that I had come across teambonding.com. I said, you know, that, that video that you had right up there was something mm-hmm. which was beautiful. And I said, I'm going to learn to do this. And I learned and I haven't uh, put up too many videos, but I just enjoy doing things like that. And my boss, thanks um, you for the free plug, the by the way. My boss, thanks you for the free website plug there, by the way. That was very nice of you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, we, we, we both enjoy the outdoors. Uh, we love traveling. Um, but, uh, yeah, uh, family life is uh, a lot of fun. And I think any, anything that you do is a lot of fun if you uh, enjoy what you do. And I think that's, that's what this industry is all about, too. Yep. So what you're saying is you're a very boring man. And you don't have yeah, any hobbies. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Rupert, I cannot tell you what a joy you have been to talk to tonight. Thank you so much for coming on with us. Um, now, we're just about at the point where we're going to let you go. But before we do so, there's something that I like to do to kind of torment uh, us on this side of the industry. See, when we actually come across um, new people coming in, hearing, not knowing what they're going to be going through as part of a team building exercise, there's usually a touch of dread. So I'm always hoping that this gets to share that dread a little bit. I would like you to come along with me and play a speed round. Now, the way this works, I'm going to ask you for over 60 seconds, I'm going to ask you a series of questions. Your objective is just to answer those questions as simply and quickly as you can. Try to get through as many questions as you can. All right? Okay. One question, though, before yep. you start. Which, of course. Uh, do I have to answer all of them in English or just to cheat out here, I can use any language <laughs> I'd like? <laughs> well, I'm going to say, what? A lot. And, but that doesn't count as a question. <laughs> All right, my friend. Hold on one second. Let's get started. As soon as you hear the music, I'll start you in with a question. Ready? Here we go. What is your name? Rupert Picardo. Do you have any pets? No. 
What's the worst thing you did as a child? Oh, I painted the walls. <laughs> Without them knowing, I assume. I hope so. <laughs> Besides your own company, what other company do you wish you would be a part of? Hmm, interesting one. Uh, something which is to do with sports and playing, I guess. Nice. Uh, what do you like to do on a rainy day? Go out in the rain. I love the rain. Lovely. Now, would you rather be the smartest kid in school or the most popular kid in school? Uh, neither. A little bit of an introvert. Both of those attract attention. You're an introvert? <laughs> I'm an introvert and an extrovert skin. I have to pretend <laughs> to be the outgoing person, but I'd prefer to just be locked up in my broom closet under the stairs somewhere. <laughs> That is amazing. My God. Ladies and gentlemen, please give a big round of applause to my guest, Rupert Picardo, everybody. Rupert, you have been... Hold on. Where is my applause? Come on, guys. Hear him. There it is. <laughs> Rupert, I cannot thank you enough for coming on. You have been an absolute charm. Uh, once again, that's uh, Difference, D-F-R-E-N-S.com, where you can read all of Rupert's many thoughts and ideas. Um Rupert, thank you so much for coming out here today. Thank you for having me, Rich. And it's been a pleasure. Enjoyed myself. And, uh, you know, wish you guys all the best. And for everyone who's listening as well during this time, I think, um, you know, if, if I may add, uh, Rich, something sure. out here. I think a lot of organizations don't even realize that a team is the smallest functional unit of an organization. And in times like these and possibly any other time, it's very easy to overlook the fact that, you know, teams are what make the company. So they tend to put all of these other things aside. And they, I mean, they put the team aside and they put everything else ahead of it. Mm. And we've seen that the teams that succeed are the ones that really try to take care of the health of the team. And anything that you do for building that bonding, they're not saying that, you know, work with team building experts and things like that, but just keep that team happy, healthy, and every organization is definitely going to reap those rewards. That, that's something I live by. That's something I advocate. So it's not about, you know, working with team building experts or trying to bring in people to do your team building for you, but just take care of the teams. I think that's what's important. Beautifully. Thank you for having me on this. I've really enjoyed every moment. Thank you. Beautifully put, Rupert. Thank you so much. And thanks to you, my team out there, for listening to Team Building Around the World. If you like this show, please share it with your friends or colleagues. We'd be grateful if you would subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you find your favorite podcasts and leave a favorable review. If you don't want to leave a favorable review, you know, just shut up about it. It's okay. No one really minds. Now, all the past episodes can be found at teambuilding.com. But as for me, my friends. I've been Rich Rinsland. This has been Team Building Around the World. And as always, remember, if you're within the sound of my voice, you're now a part of my team and I'm a part of yours. Thanks again, everyone, and we'll see you next time. It's been said that you learn more about a person in an hour of play than in a year of conversation. So why not put your coworkers to play with the help of the team at Team Bonding? Team Bonding was founded over 20 years ago with one simple question. How can employees have a great time while fostering strong, authentic bonds between people who work together? Their catalog of innovative events includes scavenger hunts, Jeopardy, and much more. Each activity, whether live, virtual, or hybrid, maximizes the impact of team building with an accent on fun. Visit teambonding.com 
Bondingtoday.com to schedule your event now. Team Bonding, when you want seriously fun results. 